If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 has been a verse we've been launching from over the past few weeks as, as we've been talking about stepping through the door. Life's, the Bible tells us, like a journey, a race. It's levels. There's seasons. There's levels. Proverbs 4 tells us that the path of the righteous should shine brighter and brighter to the completed day. We go from glory to glory. So I believe that in Jesus, the best is always yet to come. Amen. Amen. So my past season, as good as it, as it is, should never outshine my future season where God's taken us. So your tomorrow, regardless of where you're at today, tomorrow should be brighter. Wherever you're at, you might be young in the faith or, or mature in the faith. One of the challenges we have if we've been saved for any length of time is to think that longevity defines the will of God. Oh, I've been this way for so long, it must be God's will for me to stay here. But longevity of anything does not define the will of God or the Word of God. God's Word defines the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And God's Word defines the will of God. That's right. And so if we're not careful, we'll begin to be in a place, in a, a season, if you will, and we'll just wait around for the season to change, and we'll just wait around for the calendar to change the season, or we'll just wait around for people to change the season, or we'll wait around for, oh, it must be the season we live in forever. And I'm here to tell you that in Jesus, the best is yet to come. Regardless of how great the season it is that you're in, or how, uh, what kind of battlefield you're in. But we've learned that in the process of the season, that it's just not God dragging us to the next level. We have choice. God has given us thing called a will. We have to operate by faith. Hebrews 6.12 and Hebrews 11.33. They obtained the promises by faith. Hebrews 11.33. Be imitators of them that through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. Hebrews 6.12. And so there's an action because James says faith without works is dead, which means doesn't produce a change. And so for us to say, oh, I just believe, then if we're going to operate, it has to be more than belief. It has to be the operation of faith, of action, and walking through the process as God opens the door and shows us what door to walk through or walk toward. Amen. All right. So Acts chapter 12, verse 7, suddenly, this is about Peter being in prison. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter and the angel struck him on the side to awaken him. So I love this, just the very fact that at the start of this, because one, Peter's in jail. Peter's in jail, we saw earlier, in prison and chained by two guards. And so if there was any hope of getting out, any hope of sneaking out, they've done everything possible in the natural to shut him down. With all intents and plans, the plan of the enemy, of Herod at the time, was to kill him the next day. I just want to say this to somebody. We have to get to the place that the plan of the enemy against you is no longer relevant to you. Amen. Amen. Say, the plan of the enemy against me is no longer relevant to me. Well, that was good. Let's, that's, that's from the Holy Ghost. Let's just say that again. Say, the plan of the enemy against me is no longer relevant to me. It doesn't mean you're not aware of it, but it's, it's the thing of, I'm not going to stay up all night worrying about the enemy's plans. I'm not going to worry about, oh, what is he going to do? What is he going to try? No, because the plans of the enemy against you is no longer relevant to you. Peter 
had obviously lived through this because Peter is sleeping the night before his execution. Now, anybody that's in fear is going to be up worrying. And you would think anybody that was a believer would be praying. Peter must be in faith because Hebrews 4 tells us that there is a rest referring to faith. There is a rest for the people of God. It's a belief system that moves you in a place of rest. So Peter is in such a place of rest that he can sleep when everybody else should be freaking out. Peter did a lot of things, and he was quick to move, but he got some right, some wrong, but this one he got right. Can I get an amen? I figure if I'm going to be in the battle, I might as well be chilled out in the battle right now, not stressed out. Some of us, it's not what the enemy's trying to do that gets to us. It's our own stress of what we did to ourselves, stressing out. That, okay. And so Peter is so at rest that he is sleeping the night before his execution, and an angel shows up. You know, my sound of an angel. Because an angel's a bright light. If you hear a big bright light, it's got a sound, right? That's just my, there's no Bible verse to that. That's just me. You don't have to agree. And I don't know if, there, if he had angel, if that angel had wings or not. Go, you smack him. With, no, he didn't. But he did hit him. He hit him on the side to awaken him. Now imagine you're such a deep sleep. See, when I'm sleeping, if somebody walks in the room, I'm awake. I don't know about you. I wake up. I think that's partly because growing up, my dad would love to play practical jokes, and if he was up before us and could get into our room, he would jump on top of us. <laughs> Me and my brother. You talk about learning to wake up quickly. Somebody jump on top of you, body slam you while you're in a deep sleep. And he'd laugh and laugh. And so I just, I developed the skill set of somebody walks in my room, I'm up. Peter, angel, shows up. And notice it says a bright light. So has anybody ever been sleeping and someone turned a light on? Yes. I'm just talking out loud right now. You know what I mean? Someone turned a light on while you're sleeping. What are you going to do? Wake up. Yeah, right? You wake up. So here this angel shows up, which has to change the atmosphere. He changes the light. I mean... And Peter is still sleeping with all external stimulation going on around him. Internally, he's at rest. You can't wake this guy up. He's in a deep rest, deep sleep. And the angel strikes him to waken him up and says, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him in verse 8, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now, now put your coat on and follow me. Remember, just in a quick review, we drew from that that in God's process of taking you to the next level, he'll ask you to do something in the situation that makes no sense for the situation. Right. Because if you're in jail and the chains are broken and you want to get out, the last thing you worry about is where's your left sandal? Come on, somebody. <laughs> you're going to run barefooted, right? Put on your coat. I'll get cold. I don't care. I'll buy a coat later, right? But so the instruction was you're free, but let's get you ready. And the preparation wasn't to be ready in the situation. God was getting him ready for the solution. Right. I say it this way. God wasn't getting him dressed for the prison. God was getting him dressed for the city he was going into. Amen. And when God will ask you to do stuff in your life, in the journey of life, we have to be willing to trust him. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. The steps of the righteous are what? 
order. And we have to be willing, as people of God, to trust him, even if it doesn't make sense, because we are seeing the situation. He sees the solution because he is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the completer, looking under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So he stands in the place of finishing, knowing where you're going, and says, listen, I want you to, go, I want you to get ready where you're at, because I'm bringing you to, bringing you to where you're going. Amen. I don't want you to get ready when you're there. I want you to be ready when you walk through. I don't want you to work on getting ready when you show up. I want you to be preparing yourself to be ready for a place that you haven't been to yet. God, and that is practical and spiritual. God will have you start learning how to uh, have management skills before, oh, when I become a manager, then I'll learn. No, you need to learn before you get the opportunity because we need to be prepared for the opportunities. Ephesians says, redeem the time because the days are evil, which means take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you. Walk through the door. Step through the door of what he brings to you. But we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. Can I get an Amen. Too many times we run into more difficult situations because we wait to learn from the school of hard knocks. Has anybody ever been to that school yet? See, when you graduated from high school or college, you thought school was over. My dad used to say, son, you can learn from two ways. Your mistakes are from the mistakes of others. Some of us just like learning from our own mistakes. But a smoother way, a better way, a faster way is to follow God and he'll prepare you before you even knew you need to be prepared. I love that. In fact, I love when God gives us the answer to a question before we knew we had the question. And what's even, in my opinion, even better than that is when the Lord gives you the solution or or verse for the problem that's not your problem but somebody's problem you're going to run into that day. And someone says, I need prayer, I need this, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, the Lord gave me this verse. Maybe it's for you. And you become a carrier of God's goodness for other people instead of just a prayer for God's goodness in your own life. Ooh, that's good. Hashtag got my hope. Somebody. (laughs) I'll not remember that. So you have to write that down and let me know how that went. Quick, get up. The chains, notice this on side. Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. The angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. He left the cell following the angel. He left the season following God. Why do we say that? Because one of the human tendencies, I deal with this, you deal with this, human nature is us not to leave the, the place we're in to go to where God wants us. Many of us leave the place we're at to go to the next level, and then we tag Jesus into it on a prayer, and we want him to complete our path. We want him to finish and fulfill our, our plans. We'll start our plans, and then we'll say, Lord, bless my plans today. And then we get mad at Jesus. Why don't we say, Lord, what's your plans for me today? What are you blessing today? Because I want to do what you have blessed for me to do today. I want to, I want to be a part of your plans. I'm tired of doing the Christian, Christianese thing, the, the churchy thing of just doing my own thing and praying and saying, Lord, bless it in Jesus' name. And we'll claim Psalms 1, whatsoever we put our hands to shall prosper. But we'll miss out the first two verses that talks about how to get to that place of having our hands be successful. Not you, the people that you know, just so you know. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed, oh, I love that because God could be working even when we don't even fully understand how it's happening. 
Amen. Amen. I remember a few years ago, it just came from my heart, and we just prayed this prayer. Lord, embarrass your people with your goodness. Yes. Don't you like to be embarrassed with God's generosity in your life? Yes. Wouldn't you like to be kind of, God's done so much that you're like almost embarrassed to tell somebody because you don't want to make them feel bad. You're just embarrassed of God's goodness. You don't know how he did it. Come on, somebody. You got to work with me. Verse 10, and they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. I love this because as he was following God or following the angel of the Lord, which is the same thing, following the angel of the Lord, leaving one place, going to the next place, they're walking they're walking toward a closed gate. Yeah. So God will ask you sometimes to walk toward an impossibility. Come on. And you're like, that makes no sense because I can see from my situation that that gate is locked. We shouldn't walk toward a locked gate. Not realizing as you walk toward the direction of God, as you walk toward the locked gate, it will open before you get there. Come on, somebody. Thank you for the four people that like that. The rest of you, you're, you're on my hit list now. I'm going to really give it to you. Usually I stand over to the people that are getting it, but I had somebody over here and somebody over there, so I can't be in two places, so one, I'll stay right here. So they passed through and started walking down the street, then the angel suddenly left them. Today I want to focus on this one phrase, going back to verse 7, if we will, on the screen. The angel said, quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. Look to your neighbor and say, get up. We've talked about the other parts. We've talked about stepping through the door. We've talked about getting ready. So we're doing this in reverse the way it's written in Scripture, but I like it. Say, get up. up. Shout, get up. up. Today I want to talk about how to stand in the storm. How to stand in the storm. How to stand in the storm. Don't wait for the situation to change before you stand up. Because the situation will change because you stand up. Notice the angel said, quick, get up. And as he began to get up, the chains fell off. How many times do we argue with God? I want you to do this. I can't do this. Peter could have said, I can't get up. What, did God send me the worst of the worst of the angels? Can't you see I'm in prison? I'm in jail? I'm chained? I'm chained? I'm sitting in position? I'm chained? I'm chained to these guys? I can't get up. But the question was, can you get up? The the command was get up. And as he began to believe and obey what the angel told him to do, what happened? The restrictions that would hold him back dropped off. The restrictions, say the restrictions are coming off. Say the chains are coming off. Say the limitations are coming off. I speak that over your life starting today. If you begin to believe and obey the word of God revealed to your heart. The limitations are coming off. The boundaries set up by the enemy are coming off. The prison that the enemy, the demonic forces have been trying to entrap you are coming off. Are you listening to me? They're coming off. As you begin to obey, the things that would hinder you are coming off in Jesus' name. Say they're coming off. So what do we need to do? We need to learn to stand. Again, challenge everything I say with the, with the word of God. 
in any, me, anybody, challenge, challenge, challenge. It's good for your spiritual growth and maturity. Don't take my word or anybody's word for these type of uh, messages. Anything that's going to affect or impact your life, always challenge it with the word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. So we get to learn in the situation to stand up because it's in the standing that the situation changes. Amen. Are you listening to me? The amen. devil doesn't play fair. How long did Israel wait for Goliath to get tired of mocking them until someone was willing to stand up against them? They waited, they were hiding, they were talking, they were trying to begin to develop a routine around it, but you know what? He didn't leave. Most of us think if the devil, if I just give him enough time, he'll get bored and leave. No, you have to get to the place that you stand up. The Bible tells us to resist the devil and he will flee. It didn't say wait the devil out and he'll get bored and flee. No, you have to stand up. When we stand in the situation, and when we stand in the situation, we have the ability to rebuke the enemy, resist the devil, and he will flee. Jesus stood up. Do you remember the story in the Gospels where Jesus said, let's go to the other side? And they got in the boat, and Jesus took a nap, and a big storm came up, and they began to freak out. I mean, even the professionals, Peter was a professional fisherman, even the professionals. When the professionals freak out, you know you're in a bad place. See, I don't like it when people that are around me freak out about a situation, but if I know that they don't know, then I'll just call them emotional. But when the experts are freaking out, you want to become emotional. But they, they woke up Jesus, and he, the Bible says, in the storm, the winds, the effects, we did a whole message, several messages on that, that in the effects of the wind that was blowing against them, the effects of the storm that was creating the problem, Jesus stood up. They woke him up, and then he stood up and rebuked the wind and spoke peace to the waves, and everything got calm. Amen. Now, my question is not, wow, how cool a miracle, we've talked about that, or even the, the rebuking of the wind and the authority that Jesus has over even the elements, or speaking peace to the, the, the effect, what was being affected by the enemy. But the very fact of why did Jesus need to stand up? Why didn't he just rebuke the wind sitting down? Because there is a physical posture, there's a sense of when he stood up, he was letting the enemy know that your pressure, your opposition, your wind is not going to hinder me from being what the Father's called me to be. Or do what the Father's called me to do. For Jesus said, I haven't come to do my will but the will of the Father. The things I do is because I see the Father do them. The words I speak, it's because I hear the Father speaking them. So what did he do? In that moment, you, taking that principle, you could, Jesus is waking up. He's half asleep. And they're like, don't you care that we even die or perish? And what does he do? He follows the will of the Father. What was the will of the Father? Stand up. Yeah. The direction of God, stand up. The direction of God, stand up. I don't want to stand. I'll just deal with the problem here. No, you have to stand up. You have to step up and begin to do what God's called you to do. Can I get an amen? So how do I stand up? How do I stand up? Number one, this is going to sound interesting, but stay with me. Find the joy. Find the joy. What am I talking about? Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Now, another translation instead of says despising, says disregarding the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice this. What did he do? For the joy, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. For the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him. I want to present to you a, con- a concept here that each one of our lives are very multifaceted. And have you ever noticed that any one person could be dealing with different situations simultaneously? You could have a storm in one area of your life and a celebration in another area of your life. Right? And what happens, you might be doing doing great with your marriage, but now you're dealing with the storm of one of your kids are acting up. One of your kids might be acting up, but and... And all of a sudden, your, your career is doing well, or your career is doing bad, but your marriage and your family is doing great. You see my point? Yes. And what we have to do, in, in my opinion from this text, what we have to do for us to battle correctly against the storm is not only focus about the storm. Right. We spend all, if we're not careful, we'll be sucked into the recovery, and we'll spend all our energy trying to get our career back up and get our finances back up and get everything and all our thoughts, all our energy, and we're spending all our energy on the recovery. And we miss out on spending time for the discovery. I've seen people spend 30 years to get it where they've made it financially so they can take care of their family, working day in, day out, nonstop, and when they finally get there, they turn toward their family and children, and now their children are grown and out of the house and don't want anything to do with them because they felt like they were abandoned by that parent. And that parent is like, I'm just fighting the battle of trying to make it. And what they didn't realize is they lost the, the discovery side. And when you don't focus on the discovery side, it's like fruit on the vine. And when you don't reap or harvest the fruit that's on the vine, it dies on the vine. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. When you deal with battles in life, when you deal with battles in life, don't be pulled only to think about that problem. Problem, 24 hours a day, problem, every day, every conversation, everything, every decision, every thought, every perspective, problem, 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 problem. Put it on pause if you have to. I'm not saying diminish it. I'm not saying ignore it. I'm not saying deny it. I'm saying don't be consumed by it. One of the things that will help us if we look and begin to say, okay, I understand I have to fight that battle, but God has given you the ability. What does he do? He provides a harvest field that you have been already sowing into, and you begin to look and say, wait a minute, there's a joy in here. And the joy from heaven will empower you to stand up against the enemy over here in the The fruit of recovery will help you fight the battles. And No, excuse me, the fruit of discovery will help you fight the battles of recovery. The fruit of discovery will help you fight the battles of recovery. 
oh, I've been struggling with this. Yeah, that, we understand it's a battle, but do you realize, look at the people that God's put in your life to encourage you and stand with you and pray with you. But we, all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we'll isolate ourselves from those people, we'll do it on our own, we'll wake up one day still fighting, and then when we look to these people, they're already gone. Find the joy. Say, find the joy. Find joy. I think that's pretty practical. What's in the discovery in one harvest area will empower you for the recovery battle area. Ignore the discovery and the fruit will die on the vine. The greatest joy... It's just not what's around us. The greatest joy is what God gives within us. Amen. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord, the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Why is the glory risen? Because the light has come. What is the light? Psalms 119 verse 130 says, the entrance of his word, it gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. That's what I call the revealed word of God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. Notice, arise and shine. Why? Because it didn't say the light, your light. Do you know what happens? Is we begin to try to act on somebody else's light. Your word, David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I, you might be near me and you might have a great light, but if I'm walking my path with your illumination, I'm not going to see clearly. A lot of people in the church world feel obligated to keep everybody happy. When you're in the battlefield, you don't need to keep everybody happy. That's right. I've had people in my, in my past that would say, you know what, I think you need to do this. You're fighting a battle, and they'll come tell you what they think. Right. I've had people do that. Well, I, I personally, you know what I mean, I, not to be rude, I think you need to do this. And I've looked at them and said, no disrespect, but I think you need to mind your own business. Right, right, right. And then I say, so obviously neither one of us are going to get what we really want. <laughs> I say it with a smile, though. You know, you guys do it. Look, speak the truth in love. Everybody gets opinion, don't they? When you're in the battle, I think you should have done this. Well, I'm glad you thought. I think you need to do this different. I had one person, I think you need to do this different. I said, listen, I'll be glad to listen to your advice if you're willing for me to have the same amount of time and respect to tell you what I think you need to, you need to do different in your life. Right, right, exactly. Oh, I don't want, people get real quiet all, all of a sudden at that point. You don't have to keep everybody happy. You're not here to follow everybody's advice. You're here to follow what God shows you to do. His word to you is your lamp and your light. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God for books. They give you information. Read them. Praise God even for the scripture. Read it, but you're looking for revelation. That's ownership comes out of revelation. Again, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to you. It becomes your revelation, your word when it's revealed to you. And that's the light of, that God is showing you to do. If God didn't show you to do it, don't do it yet. Because you're carrying on somebody else's journey. And you can, be, you can be driving down the road on the wrong path. And I figured out, have you ever found this out? The harder you pray, the longer you pray, it never makes it the right path. If you're wanting to go west and you're going east, you can pray, you can fast, you can do everything, but it's never going to be the right path. 
Unless you're on 270, then it kind of goes in a circle. And in theory, maybe that at that point, somewhere in the mix. I know that because when I was 16, I did that. I'm like, I refuse to turn around. I eventually found it goes around. I said, hey, I'm back. I get lost a lot, so it's all good. But in the battles of life, we don't have to take everybody's advice. We, it's okay to get advice because amongst the many counselors, Proverbs says, there's wisdom. But it doesn't mean you do everything everybody says. You're looking for the God idea, not just a good idea. It becomes your light. Arise, shine. Get up. Stand up. Because why? Your light. Your light. Say my light. And people might have a good idea. I just tell them, well, listen, pray for me because it's, you know, I'm going to do what God shows me to do the best I can. Trust him. I'm going to do my best. Whatever he shows me to do. Be like Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Yeah. Be like Mary, the mother of Jesus, told the servants, whatever he tells you to do. Don't hit that button again. Thank you, Austin Gann. <laughs> whatever he tells you to do, simply obey. Simply obey. The thing is, if we don't know what to do, we just gra- we do grab everybody's instruction. Don't grab everybody's instruction. That can exhaust you. Right. For your light has come. Things revealed. Entrance of the word. Number two. Receive that joy. Receive God's word. Receive God's word. Matthew 4, verse 4. The latter part says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall live, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. We live as born-again Christians, spirit-filled Christians. We live this quality of life that Jesus has for us in John 10, 10. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life, the zoe, the God quality of life. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. We live that through the source of his word that comes out of his mouth. That means God's revealed it to our heart. Don't look for voices. Start with the written word of God. Look for revelation because it's really spiritual ears that are in your spirit, not just your natural. There's a lot of people that can hear things naturally in their eyes and see, see it naturally with their eyes and hear it with their ears, but their heart never gets understanding because they don't have spiritual ears. Jesus talked about that a lot. He says they have eyes to see, but they don't perceive it. They have ears to hear, but they don't understand it. Why? Because, there's, because to understand the kingdom of God, we have to have spiritual understanding. We have to get, Corinthians says, that the natural carnal thinking of men will never receive the things of God because they're foolish to them. Right. They, we have to get revelation on it. We just don't run through the motions because all of a sudden we become like the Pharisees who had the outward expression but no inward revelation. And Jesus said, you look the part on the outside, but on the inside you're like dead men's bones. There's no, why are they dead men's bones? Because there's no life. Some of us have come out of, out of uh, some circles, and they meant well. I truly believe they meant well. That's how I can just kind of have peace with the situation. They meant well, but they will get new believers doing so many things that they have no life or revelation to it. And all they do is, over the process of time, become exhausted by the routines given to them by somebody of authority who told them that I'm the one of authority, and if you don't do what I'm telling you, you're disobeying God, and God's going to curse you. And so out of fear, they find themselves doing everything, and they find themselves exhausted. Why? Because there's no grace, there's no revelation, there's no life. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do those things. I'm saying do them because you get the life that comes out of the word of God. 
My words, they are spirit in their life. They have assignment. They, have a, they are spiritual. They are spirit and they are life. God's word becomes alive to you. They are spirit and they are life. As the words that come out of my mouth, they have an assignment, Isaiah 55, 11. As God's word goes forth out of his mouth, it shall not return void. It accomplishes, it fulfills what it's designed to do. So God's word has assignment, and its assignment is to bring his life into your life. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get a better amen? amen. God's word produces life. God's word produces life. God's word produces life. If I need more of God's life, I need more of God's. You guys are just brilliant today. And worship's a part of this process. Prayer is a part of this process. Because why? We have to get in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit as we're studying the Word and just ask the Lord, reveal the Word. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the Word because without the Holy Spirit revealing the Word, it becomes the law. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. That the law, that the law without the Spirit brings death. But the Spirit with the law brings life. Why? Because He reveals it and makes it alive. It's not a list of to-dos, although there's things that you need to do as God leads you. It's not a free-for-all and any, everything goes. That's, Romans 6 is very clear about that. But too many people are doing 50 things on their spiritual to-do list, and all they know of is three for sure that God wants them to do. Yes. Find your joy. Receive that joy. Third, third, number three, act upon that joy. Act upon God's word. Peter heard heaven's instructions. Go back to that. Peter heard in Acts. Peter heard heaven's instruction. Peter acted on heaven's instruction, and as Peter acted on what he heard from heaven, the chains fell. The chains did not fall off so he could stand up. The chains fell off because he did stand up. Stand in the storm. But I don't feel like it. Don't matter what you feel. You know, the, one of the worst things you can do in the storm is feel sorry for yourself. And allow people to give you sympathy. You don't need sympathy. Right. You know what I mean? If you've got the enemy shooting bullets over your head, last thing you want to do is get a letter from home, I'm so sorry. No, you don't want to, you don't want to get sappy and sentimental then. Right. You need to be like David says, I'm going to get this guy. Yeah. What's the reward for this guy? There's a cause here. Because he hasn't defied just anybody. He's defied the armies of the living God. And this day, his head will come off. This day, God will put him in my hands. You know what I've noticed? Those aren't kind words. In our PC world, that, that would not be acceptable. Now, David, the king says, come on, I know they're our enemy, and I know they're trying to kill us, but let's all just get along here. You can't get along with everything. I'm a firm believer. One of the things God wants us to bring back into the kingdom of God in, or into the ch local church across the world literally is this tenacity that God has been lost We've worked so hard, society has worked so hard, and the church has kind of accommodated the culture of it, of trying to keep everybody happy and trying to get everybody to fit in and trying to get everybody to like each other. You're not called to get everybody to like you. Right. Exactly. They unfriended me. If that's the worst thing you deal with in the test of life, is someone unfriended you on your favorite social? Come on, somebody. Well, I don't know if I can serve God anymore because I've had three people unfriend me. If that's the biggest price you paid for Jesus, oh, help me. 
the tenacity in the body of Christ where we rise up and say, wait a minute, Lord, what do you call me to do? I'm praying, I'm believing that, that every person at Hope Church, I'm just not saying just the leaders, I'm not saying just the few, I'm believing that there becomes an anointing because the Bible says you can be strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man, that there becomes a tenacity on the inside of you, that when the enemy rises up, you don't run away, you don't hide out, you stand up. And you say, wait a minute, enough's enough. You stand up and say, I'm going to resist the devil. You stand up and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You stand up and begin to speak the word of God like Jesus did. He spoke and commanded the enemy to take to stop his tactics. He said, when stop, now waves, you be, be at peace. Yeah. Why? He stepped into the authority. Why? Because he stood up. He stood up. You say, well, that's Jesus. Well, wait a minute. I'm connected. Aren't we connected to Jesus? Jesus said, the works I did, you can do also greater works than these. Didn't Jesus say that, listen, that if, if you're connected to me, you, you can do these. But if you're not connected to me, you can't do these things. You can do all things through Christ if you want to get specific. You can do all things through Christ. The anointing one is anointing which strengthens you. Yeah. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. First John 4, 17. You stand up. Say stand up. stand up. I don't stand up because I feel like it. I stand up because it's a necessity for victory. Amen. When do I stand up? I stand up when God's revealed his word to my heart. Amen. And as you stand up and follow the instruction for Jesus in the boat, it was to rebuke and to speak peace. For Peter in the prison, it was physically stand up and follow me. Each one might be a little different. If Peter would have said, okay, last time I remember seeing Jesus do this, if he would have stood up and started rebuking the winds, it would have made no sense to the situation. Well, pastor, you know, God's not a respecter of persons, and he, it worked for Jesus in that boat, but that was Jesus in that boat in that situation. If you're, not in, if you're not in the boat in that situation, don't do what Jesus did then, do what God's telling you to do now. You can respect someone, but that doesn't mean you have to imitate them. And so in your situation, you might need to rebuke. In your situation, you might need to speak. In your situation, you might need to just stand up. In your situation, you might need to make a phone call. In your situation, do what God shows you to do. In your situation, you might need to tell some people yes. In your situation, you might need to tell somebody no more. In your situation, things might have changed differently and not the way you always did it. In your situation, some of us are waiting. I'll let God just deal with it and I'll sit back. And God's saying, no, I've empowered you to change the situation. How does he empower you? Catch this. How does he empower you? Not just by causing you to see it. How does he empower you? Not because you're angry about it. How does he empower you? Not because you're frustrated about it. Some of us wait for anger and frustration before we act. No, how does he empower you? He empowers you by revealing his word, and his word gives you not grace and ability to do it, but the direction and instruction what to do. And as you follow the instruction revealed by the word of God, by the spirit of God, you are empowered to act out what he called you to do. So that you can step through the door that the enemy's trying to keep closed. And I speak over your life that there's doors that have been closed for decades. And your life are now beginning to open before you as you obey the word of God that he has revealed to your heart. If you believe that, give the Lord the next 30 seconds. Give him a praise. Say, I believe I receive it. Mark 11, 24. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Shout, stand up. Shout, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up.
Look to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, stand up and see God work. Simplistically, follow his instructions. Whatever he tells you to do, believe it, obey it, and watch him do what only he can do. You might need some water turned to wine. Let him do it. You might need some fish to feed a multitude. Let him do it. Different instructions. You might have a, a, a brother who died as in, in the cave with a stone. Just follow the instruction. Each one was different. He didn't ask when he went to Lazarus' tomb. He did not ask Martha and Mary for fish and bread, a little boy's lunch. Because that's not the plan of the Father for that situation. Do you see my point? It was the plan of the Father for another situation, but not this situation. And the human tendency is for us to follow the victory of the last instruction from the last situation. This played out in David's life in closing. David was being attacked by an enemy. And he went before God and said, what do I do? And God said, I want you to, be, I want you to go and attack them. I've given you victory. And you know what? They had victory. Short time after that, they came back. And David went after them. The second time. And David lost the battle. And if you lose a battle, don't freak out. Just go back to the word. What am I missing? And he went back to God and said, what am I missing here? And God said, I told you to go the first time. I didn't tell you to go the second time. He was imitating the path of last battle to repeat in this battle. He was repeating the path of last opportunity to, to be in this opportunity. And what is that? The whole thing we talked about in the pauses, the real question is Jesus saying, do you still want to follow me? Yeah. That's the whole thing. Are you still want to follow me? You followed me last time, but this time you chose the last instruction was this instruction, which means you didn't want to follow me. Hmm. So when you stand up, don't work on last instruction. Look for current instruction. Lord, show me what you want me to do this time, this situation, this opportunity, this battle. Lord, you spoke to me before to make an investment. I invest in that business. And whoo, I made a lot of money. Should I do it again in this business? Well, I'm going to do it because last time worked. Maybe this one won't. Are you willing to keep following me? What's the key? What he's revealing to your heart. I, I gave you a lot of information. I hope you took notes or you watch it on YouTube later, but either way. In the battle, in the south, in the situation, don't wait for it to change before you stand up. Because stand up and the situation will change. We're done. Give the Lord a hand, club praise one more time. Hallelujah. If you bow your head and close your eyes, no one looking around, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking you, is Jesus Christ, in the way you process, the way you experience, the way you understand, is Jesus Christ real to you today in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior? Only you can answer that. See, I'm not into religion. I define that as man's rules to get to God. I'm into a real relationship with Jesus Christ based on the word of God. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans tells us that with the heart man believes in a righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What am I telling you? A short prayer that, mean, that you mean it from your heart can have an eternal impact. If you don't know him right now, search your heart. 
Do you have peace with God? Search your heart. Are you right with God? Maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel or maybe for whatever reason you've allowed stuff to come between you and God and you know your heart's not right. This is your moment. This is your time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, no one moving, out of respect. Pray this prayer with me if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Say, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I invite you, I ask you to come into my heart, into my life, and be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you prayed that prayer, let me be the first to say welcome to the family of God. Just out of my own curiosity so I know who I was praying with. If you prayed that prayer, I'm in business with God today. At the count of three, I just wanted you to lift your hand so I know who I was praying with. Some of you are shy, so those who are, are bold, I want you to lift your hand quicker so the people that are shy and hesitant will lift your hand. But the, the goal is just so who I know I was praying with, and also I want to speak a blessing over your life. And it, it's a good for us to stand up and represent. So one, two, three. I prayed that prayer. Who was I praying that prayer with? Amen. Keep your hands raised if you would. One, two, three, four, five, six, amen. Seven, thank you. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Anybody else? 13, 14, 15, 16 to my side. Keep your hand raised. 17. Two in the, in the portico. 18, 19. Now stretch your hands towards somebody with their hands raised. Father, in the name of Jesus, we sanctify them. We seal them with the precious Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus. And I ask you, strengthen according to your word, strengthen with might by your spirit in their inner person. So starting today, they're not only born again, they are empowered by you to stand up against the enemy, to stand up against temptation, to stand up against peer pressure. Give them strength, peace. Thank you, Father God, for your rest. And we give you praise. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. Before we